0: Thank you, Ricky. Yesterday Claire and I took the kids for a day out, as we often do on a Saturday, and this time the destination was the North Coast, so we thought we'd have a go at beginning to walk uh, what what's called the Causeway Coastal Path. And we have a book that tells us how to walk it and a little bit about the stuff along the way. And I don't know what it says about me but we we seem to be starting at the back of the book and working forward so we we I think the walks certainly the book's written that you you start over in the west and walk east towards Ballycastle but we started at the back of the book in the last chapter in Ballycastle working our way back but anyway as we were driving up there um, we took our usual route out of the city heading north over the M3 and I'm sure I've driven that quite a lot recently, but I haven't really been paying much attention. I really noticed how the, the Titanic Quarter um, apartments were really very much there. Uh, what had been just a, a building site over the last few years, a sense of scaffolding and, and preparations. There's a real sense that, that these apartments and the other buildings uh, down in what they call Titanic Quarter are, are really there. I I have really enjoyed watching those going up. I I just think it's a a wonderful transformation of what used to be quite an an ugly uh, riverside down at the Lagan. There, I want you to imagine a scenario with me for a second. A couple of a Christian couple and three other uh, Christian people are among the first to take an apartment in, in the Lagan side complex the titanic quarter now there's no church in that area so while they live down there they continue to commute out to suburban churches uh, in and around belfast in the early months as people have been moving into those apartments it's been a really great time to get to know people because people are new uh, they, they've needed each other's help let's little, little bits of advice here and there and these These handful of Christians have even found that they've occasionally had opportunities to explain that they go to church or or even beyond that, that they have Christian faith and and they've had very natural meetings and conversations with, with their neighbors. The five of them have been talking together and they've wondered whether they might be able to start a church down there in the titanic quarter but they quickly realized that that that's just beyond them they they couldn't really do that to have a church they'd need a building they'd need a minister they'd need quite a lot of money for all sorts of other things they'd need a musical instrument and even worse they'd need somebody who could play a musical instrument so when they thought about all these things they thought, we'd need all of these if we're going to be at church. Well, would they? Would they be right in their thinking? We can probably understand how they got to that point, but would they be right? Whenever we read this passage, which Ricky read for us a moment ago, we might come to a different conclusion. This, this passage is really important in Scripture because it it's really the first time we get a description of the Christian church. A body of people gathering around Jesus Christ. Let's have a look at verse 42 in particular and do a quick mini Bible study. First question, what features of church life in Jerusalem does Luke choose to highlight in verse 42? I'll give you a clue. There are four Uh, that I'm noticing what are the four things that he chooses to draw our attention to if you noticed either the apostles teaching or fellowship or breaking of bread or prayer you will have some points and if you noticed all four, four points why has why he chosen to focus on those? It's a very unselfconscious narrative here just telling us what this early church was like. It seems to me that Luke has chosen to focus on these because he thinks these are the core activities of the Jesus community. This is the stuff that Jesus people do when they gather now bear in mind Luke's not writing this a few weeks later after the event he's probably writing this decades after Pentecost the events that we read of in Acts chapter 2 so by now he's got years of experience of the early church and still these are the core activities that, that that dominate his imagination Folks, a third question. How does his description of that early church compare with your experience of church wherever that has been? I can't answer for you and I'm not going to put anybody on the spot by asking them to tell us. But certainly for me, if if I'm honest, I look at Luke's description there. I see something quite simple and streamlined, and it feels to me like we have added a lot of non-essential stuff, and we've allowed church to become a very a very bloated uh, and institutional experience. A final question. Good question for the guys planning in the Titanic quarter. Do we need anything more than the four things that Luke talks about here to be a real church? I think the answer by biblical standards is no, we don't. A small gathering of five people in the Titanic quarter doing these things would qualify in biblical terms, as a church. Wouldn't be a Presbyterian church, by the way. Wouldn't get the stamp of approval from a lot of denominations. But God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit could be very much at work in a community like that. remember what we're thinking about in this series friends we've been thinking the the last few weeks since the since we came back after the summer about the gospel-centered church and we're asking the question what kind of a church would the, the gospel of Jesus Christ call into being and what kind of a church ought we to be if sharing Christ is our absolute priority the three sermons I preached earlier in September, we saw that the Gospel Centre Church is a place where mission is at the centre, where mission is for everyone, and where mission is without walls. It happens everywhere, not just in a church building. Last week, David showed how God's Word encourages us to enter into mission without a fear of failure. We don't worry about getting stuff wrong better to try and get something wrong than not to try at all. What we've learned already in this series about the gospel-centered church I think has been encouraging. And a lot of you have have shared how God has has been prompting you uh, through what we've been learning together. I've been excited and encouraged too, but I personally feel I've still a long way to go. And maybe I could illustrate that for you by, by way of a question. It, it seems to me that our preconceived ideas of what church is run so deep that it's going to take some time and some hard thinking to, to really address them and bring them into line with biblical reality. So that question, what do you think of when you think of church? Just allow that, just church, in your mind, what, what are the images that spring to mind? It seems to me that in, in British culture, certainly, the word church usually conjures up something about songs of praise um, traditional buildings, stained glass windows, polished pews. Church is about pulpits, and and dog collars and robes membership communion tokens Kirk session congregational committee orders of service and organs that's church isn't it that's what comes to mind but are any of these essential to what church is how many of those things I've just mentioned make it on the looks list of crucial elements of the church. Folks, do you see how we've come a long, long way from the simple, radical communities that gathered at first around Jesus Christ? I want to think with you just for a few more moments this morning about this early church. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, was was a really common word. It just meant a crowd or a gathering. So you can read, for example, in Acts chapter nineteen, there's an angry crowd, and they're just about to pull Paul apart, limb from limb. And the word, the words ecclesia. Now maybe you'd say that's exactly the kind of thing churches do. So it all adds up. But but the word ecclesia simply meant a crowd people who gather and over time the way that word was used by the later New Testament writers and by the very early church it took on a more specific meaning it meant people who gather in the name of Jesus people who gather to encourage each other to live out the life of Jesus the one time that I'm aware of, that the word ecclesia was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, tells us about a time when when the people of Israel gathered around Mount Sinai to receive the law. They were then called an ecclesia, or a church, because they were people who gathered to hear what God was saying. So why this language lesson? Well, I'm trying to demonstrate that the churches or the bible's understanding of the church is is very precise and it's very very minimal a church is people in relationship with god meeting with each other that's it and the purpose of this gathering as it was for that that group that i've mentioned in the old testament in sinai the, the the purpose of the gathering is to meet together to hear God and to encourage each other to live for him. I want you to think about that for a moment. I'll I'll offer you this definition. People who love God meeting together to hear the gospel so that we might live it out in the world. Now imagine if we really took that to heart. If we said to ourselves, that is non-negotiable. Whatever we do, we'll be that. Everything else is up for grabs. Everything. So long as we do that, we can be very free and easy. We can be light on our feet. We can be responsive to what God's doing in and around us. So long as we do that. Wouldn't that be incredible? Church would no longer be the tail wagging the, the mission dog. It'd be the other way around. Rather than hindering our outreach, church would become a, a, a place that, that, that inspires us for our outreach in the rest of our lives in this community. Folks, what I'm talking about here this morning would take a lot of prayerful thought and working through if we were to take it to heart. You see, on the one hand, the, when we look at the, the simplicity of the foundational communities of Jesus Christ, and we, when we look at the elaborate institutions that we have allowed the church to become, we're confronted with searching questions, I think. Here's one. How might we downsize our church so that we're not pouring lots of time and energy and resources into running the machine but rather freeing up time, energy and resources to reach out? Now there's a good question. Are there meetings and gatherings in our church week that we could do without to allow us To spend more time with people who don't yet know Jesus? To share life with them? They're good questions. Good questions for a gospel-centered church. In this very brief look at one verse in Acts chapter 2 this morning, we've seen the essential simplicity of the Christian church. Luke talks about four basic elements, and and we're doing some of that stuff right here and now. We're we're meeting here this morning for fellowship. We've prayed, and and we will pray, talking to God. We've paid attention just now to the the Word of God, the, the Word that the Apostles handed down. And one thing remains on Luke's list of four the breaking of bread. Luke said that this was absolutely foundational in these early churches, that they gathered together, they had simple meals, and as part of that meal, they remembered Jesus. As they broke and chewed bread, they remembered his body broken. As they poured each other wine and and drank it, they remembered his blood shed for them. in just a moment, we're going to do the same. We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to do this simple and essential part of the church's life. Friends, will you join me in remembering Jesus? Just before we do that, we're going to sing a couple of hymns together. We'll keep our seats as we sing the first hymn. That will give the stewards an opportunity to, to wait on you for the morning offering. And then I'll come back to the microphone and invite you to stand for a second hymn. The first hymn will sing, How Can I Be Free From Sin? It's number 406 in the books, but also here on the screen.